We want to continue to uh, celebrate in our time of worship just how God is working in the life of this church, which we're very, very grateful for. Uh, We want to begin by just celebrating uh, just a fantastic 2021 special offering this past weekend. And we're just thrilled to announce that through last weekend, through the Sunday before Thanksgiving here at Southwest, we've already collected almost $99,000 toward our goal of uh, $120,000. Yeah, yay God. I mean, that's, that's awesome. I don't know that we've ever had that much come in uh, by that first weekend. And if you've not yet been able to participate in this special offering, uh, we, we still will receive those gifts. We still would like to reach that goal of $120,000 by the end of the year. And uh, we're just uh, very hopeful that through your generosity and through the answered prayers that we're going to see that goal not only met, but surpassed this year. And we're just excited about that. It, it's really quite remarkable. Uh, sometimes I just have to pinch myself just how God keeps working in the life of this church. And I'm just reminded of Ephesians 3, 20, 21, which is our key verse that we've looked at, theme verse throughout our history as a church. Now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. In addition to this praise, we're grateful uh, for the church's great response to our uh, confirmation last week as, as we have uh, three individuals that are willing to serve on our 2022 finance team, and, and the church responded in a great way, overwhelmingly confirmed these individuals to serve again next year. So thank you for your participation and for your show of support. So with that said, let's just pray and thank God for these things and uh, pray that he'll continue to be at work in the life of this church. So let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we just thank you that you are a great and powerful God. We thank you that you're a God that answers prayers, and we just, uh, wow, we just praise you, God, for how you answered our prayers about the special offering. Father, we've not yet reached the goal, but Father, it's, I've had a number of people tell me, Father, they've not yet given, and and plan to give, and I'm just, I'm just really anticipating, Father, you uh, helping us surpass another faith goal, and we just give you praise for that, because it's only through you and your power and your generosity. And Father, I pray that you'll be with us now as we open up your word, as we read from it. I pray that you'll give me the words to say and, and the way to say it, that it can be very meaningful and helpful and maybe even challenging to every person that's here, Lord. And so I just pray, Father, for your spirit to work and your spirit to just guide and open our hearts to your message, Lord, to your Son, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Well, this morning as we dismiss our uh, sixth through eighth graders to uh, their class in the student wing, if they've not already left. Maybe they've already left. I missed that. But uh, we're kicking off our Christmas series, if you haven't already figured out. 
from the Christmas songs that we've already sung, and we're focusing this year on Born is the King. And, uh, you know, as, as we start singing Christmas songs uh, at the end of November, personally, I've struggled with that in my uh, in my life, in my heart, you know, because growing up, I grew up in a family, uh, and maybe this dates me a little bit, but we, we would start the Christmas celebration as a family on December 18th, okay? Now, you might think I grew up in, in Scrooge's family or something like that, but, but the truth of it is my, my oldest sister's birthday was December 18th, and we would always go get a, a live Christmas tree, on, and, and put it up on her birthday. It was just kind of marked uh, her birthday and, and the beginning of that week leading up to Christmas. Uh, and that might seem really late to you. Uh, and so I've tried to struggle with when do you start that, that transition? You know, a recent poll was done last Christmas, and uh, I was surprised by the findings that 71% of those participating in the poll, believed that it's acceptable to begin listening to Christmas music before or the day after Thanksgiving. So here we are, the Sunday after Thanksgiving, we're singing Christmas songs and we're jumping into our Christmas uh, series. Now, of the first three songs today, we focused on the excitement of the birth of the long-awaited Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth. And we sang the following words, born is the king, let the earth receive her king, and glory to the newborn king. Those are phrases we sang in our first three songs today. Now, a lot of times Christmas carols and the songs we sing at this time of year focus on the birth of the baby Jesus, possibly mentioning uh, the fact that he was born to be our Savior. And those are all good things. And yet throughout this series, we want to focus on the truth that Jesus was born to be king. Not simply any king. He was born to be our king. And so with that as our focus, our hope is that these messages through this series will be very personal to each and every one of us. And that we will apply these truths of what it means for Jesus to be our King to our lives. So let's back up this week as we begin this series and see some of the prophetic foretellings of the long-awaited Messiah. By the way, did you know that the word Messiah, what it means? It means the anointed one or the chosen one. The biblical use of the phrase to be anointed is used to describe in the Old Testament or the Jewish Scriptures the official acknowledgement of a prophet, priest, or king. But it was used most often to describe the anointing of a future king, as was the case with King David when he was anointed by the prophet Samuel. The Bible describes this historic event in this way in the book named after the prophet Samuel, the one who anointed King David. And this is how it reads in 1 Samuel 16, verse 12. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him, 
This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spear of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Yet it's important to realize that it, it wasn't originally the Lord's will for his people, the children of Israel, to have an earthly king, as he simply wanted them to look to him for their leadership. The Father wanted them to look to, to him as their king. And yet, as you go through Israel's history, that they began to cry out, the people of Israel, for a king, somewhat like an adolescent wanting to be like their peers. Israel would say, we want to be like the other nations. We want to have an earthly king. So as we read earlier in Samuel's book, the following happens in 1 Samuel 8, verse 6. Samuel was displeased. Now, let me just set the, the context here. Uh, Samuel's getting older. He's been a prophet for years. He, he wants to elevate his sons to become the prophets of Israel and for Israel to look to them, but his sons weren't like him, and the people point that out. And so as he's getting older, they cry out that Samuel will appoint a king. So this is the context of this, and, and this is before Dave, David was anointed. In fact, it was even before David's predecessor, Saul, was anointed. But in 1 Samuel 8, verse 6, it says, Samuel was displeased with their request and went to the Lord for guidance. Do everything they say to you, the Lord replied, for they are rejecting me, not you. They don't want me to be their king any longer. Ever since I brought them out from Egypt, they have continually abandoned me and followed other gods. And now they're giving you the same treatment. Do as they ask, but solemnly warn them about the way a king will reign over them. It's sad to me as I read Israel's history and realize that the people of God at that time were willing to settle for a flawed human leader as opposed to simply submitting to the Lord's kingship. Yet it seems to me as I read Scripture that people are people, and that every generation has difficulty submitting to the Lord's will in their lives. And instead, we settle so often for so less. Instead of experiencing God's leadership in our life and experiencing God's will and God's reign and God's presence, so often we settle for the idolatry of human leadership or the idolatry in any form. We see this even at the beginning of the nation of Israel with the recently freed Israelites, and, and they've only been out of Egypt for a short time. And Moses goes up on the mountain to, to receive the commandments from God, and, and they grow weary, they grow impatient. And he, they even say, you know, who was that Moses and what happened to him? And they cry out for, for, for Moses' brother Aaron to, to create a golden calf so that they could worship 
an idol as opposed to the Lord. We see throughout the Old Testament, and we see the same tendency even in the New Testament pointed out. We just finished as a church an eight-week small group series accompanied by an eight-week message series where we looked at this uh, powerful and yet short letter entitled 1 John that's in the New Testament. And this, this great letter of talking about God's light and God's love ended in what seemed at first to me a kind of an odd way, but the more I think about it, the more appropriate it is that this letter ends this way. In 1 John 5, verse 21, and this is how we ended last week, but it just reads, Dear children, keep yourselves from idols. Or as the New Living Translation reads, Dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your hearts. So as we begin our Christmas series at the beginning of the Advent season, let's ask ourselves, do we really want the Jewish Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth, to be our long-awaited King? Or are we simply content to look to Jesus as our Savior? instead of acknowledging Him as our King. Again, the Hebrew word Messiah means anointed one. It means the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one. And it's typically written in the New Testament with the Greek word Christ, but it's equivalent to the Hebrew word Messiah. And as we look at some of the Old Testament prophecies describing the coming Messiah, we see that this idea of kingship is strongly emphasized by these prophecies. If you go back 700 years before Jesus was born, during the time that uh, the, uh, the prophet Isaiah wrote and spoke, he wrote the following description of the Messiah who was to come. It's found in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over this kingdom, establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Yes, this is a commonly read prophetic description of the coming Messiah. As I mentioned earlier, written 700 years before Jesus would be born of Mary. This was a Bible passage that that we actually referred to a a couple years ago as we unpacked the Christmas story. And we worked our way through Isaiah 9, looking at all these descriptions of the, the Messiah. And yet, typically, we focus on when we, when we look at these descriptions, we focus on the saving peace of everlasting life that the Son of God would bring through His coming. 
And although this view is definitely true, this passage also heavily emphasizes the kingship of the coming Messiah when it describes His government being on His shoulders, or as the New Revised Standard Version reads, authority rests upon His shoulders, and that this long-awaited Messiah would reign on David's throne, and that His kingdom will never end. Of course, this beautiful Bible passage that the prophet Isaiah wrote 2,700 years ago raises questions for us yet today. Are we simply content to be, to have Jesus as our Savior that we sing about, or do we want Him to be our King? Let's admit, as Americans, we, we don't do well with this idea of king, okay? I mean, we're a country that was founded by overthrowing a king's reign. We don't like that as a people. We don't like the idea of a king. And yet, if we really understand who Jesus is, we have to embrace Him as king, to receive His counsel to receive His everlasting peace, to receive His might or power that brings comfort of eternal salvation, we must humbly acknowledge, first of all, that we need a Savior. And yet we have to admit that although we maybe prefer and really like to talk about the Savior aspect of who Jesus is and the Savior aspect of the coming Messiah, that this that goes right hand in hand with being our Messiah is this idea of Him being our King. You see, we honestly sometimes like to just kind of slide over that because when we think about Jesus being our King, then that calls us to an attitude of obedience. It calls us to have an attitude of submission. It calls us to submit to His authority. And that's really an affront on our humble, our human pride. And at times, like Israel, we resist that leadership in our lives. And yet through this series, we want to just look front and center. What does it mean for us to embrace Jesus as our King? What does it mean to, to claim and and to really live as if Jesus is our Lord. And see, those terms can go hand in hand, the kingship of Jesus and the lordship of Jesus. And ask yourself, which, which do you prefer to focus? For years, I just focused on the salvation part, the Savior part of Jesus. But here's the thing. I believe for Jesus to really be our Savior, he must first be our Lord. For Jesus to really be that saving Messiah in our life, He must be that Messiah who came to be our King. And yet, if we don't want that kingship, then maybe what we hear, maybe what we need to hear from Jesus is what He taught to a group of people that weren't willing to submit to His authority. And he said in Luke chapter 6, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? You see, if we really claim to humbly acknowledge Jesus' lordship, 
or His kingship. We must embrace His teachings, submit to His lordship in our life, and embrace His mission for coming to the earth, a mission that was also foretold by Isaiah. In Isaiah 61, we read this beautiful description of the mission of the Messiah. Now, we know that that was Jesus' mission because in Luke chapter 4, when He begins His ministry on earth, He starts out in, in His hometown in the synagogue, and He reads from Isaiah, and He reads Isaiah 61. And so, we're going to read that that description of Jesus' mission. And, and by the way, I wish, you know, there's, there's a lot of scenes in Scripture I wish I could have been able to witness personally. I don't know what scene you would have liked to have seen. I don't, you know, it would have been cool to see Jesus walk on water. It would have been cool to see Jesus feed 5,000 with just a few fish and loaves. But this is one of those scenes that I would have loved to see where Jesus, the, known in, in town as the carpenter's son, and he comes in the synagogue, and he reads Isaiah 61. And every eye in the synagogue is fixed on him because they know this is a description of the coming Messiah. And let's read what Jesus had to say in Luke chapter 4, in verse 18. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Now, if we were to keep reading, we would find that after he finished the reading. It says that every, every person in the synagogue was, had their eyes fixed on Jesus. Now, as we read Jesus' mission statement here of His earthly ministry, it was foretold by Isaiah. We see that Jesus was anointed as the eternal King who would have an earthly mission and here is what it was. First, it was to bring good news to the poor. You know, if we truly claim to follow King Jesus, then we as a church have a responsibility to continue to bring good news to the poor. You know, I'm grateful for this congregation's response to our recent Operation Christmas Child box drive as we were able to send almost 300 boxes to be delivered in Jesus' name throughout the world to, to some of the poorest regions throughout the world, to children to help share with them the good news of Jesus. And if you completed one of those, filled out one of those boxes and brought it back and, and, and shipped it or, you know, put even a little money inside to help cover the shipping, then you're helping share the good news to some poor in this world. Thank you. I'm also grateful that we're, we've designated our 10% our mission giving focus during the month of December to go toward poor families within this region of the world. 
And we want to invite you, as, as Andrew mentioned earlier, uh, to, to bring food over the next couple weeks so that we can complete Christmas baskets and deliver them to people locally who have need, people that we're aware of. We're also going to be partnering and begin partnering with another organization to be aware of other uh, needs at Christmas time. And so we as a leadership team have said, hey, during the month of December, our mission giving is going to go toward fulfilling these Christmas baskets, but also meeting other needs in the area that we might become aware of. So thank you for your generosity. It's going to make a difference. But let's pull together to bring good news to the poor, because that was Jesus' mission on earth. The second aspect of Jesus' mission was to proclaim release to captives and recovery of sight to the blind. Again, if we claim to follow King Jesus, then we must be concerned about those who are captive to physical addiction, to physical challenges, and or physical disease. I am really grateful for our care ministry here at Southwest, led by Tambra Breyer, and the wonderful job that she and so many of our committed uh, individuals in this ministry are providing love and support for those both in and outside the church. Recently, one of our members became aware of a, of a co-worker, a friend of hers at work, that her mother had recently been diagnosed with cancer. This family needed some support. And so this member reached out to our meals ministry leader in the care ministry, Maria Dersham, to see if we as a church could provide meals for this family. I know I didn't know about this need. In fact, my wife, when she received the email, she asked me, do you know this person? I said, no, I don't know. But I said, I'm sure somebody has designated, recognized that they're a family with need. And so my wife said, well, I'd be glad to help out with that. And a number of people here at Southwest did that. And I want to read to you the, the thank you note we received back in response to a number of people here at Southwest meeting that need and providing meals for this family that was going through a rough time. This is what the family wrote. Maria, we can't thank you enough. This, talking about the meals they'd received, is such a huge blessing to our family. The love and kindness the church is providing is exactly what my mom needs. She is blown away with what all you're doing. She just keeps saying, they don't even know me, and they're doing all this for me. Our family will be forever grateful. You've allowed me the ability to focus on her needs and not to worry about another step of cooking for my family. You know, when I got that note, I just thought, that's, that's the church being the church. That's what Jesus' church should be about, is meeting needs. When there's someone hurting physically, saying, how can we rally behind them? And I love her sentiment saying, these people don't even know me. And they're going out of their way. I just want you to know, when I got that note, I was so grateful for this church and so grateful for the hearts of the people. And I think that just shows us once again that, that we have an opportunity to be on mission with King Jesus, to proclaim release to the 
captives and recovery to those who are hurting physically by being His hands and feet in a world that has many physical needs. And finally, in this this mission statement of Jesus in Luke 4, we find that we have the opportunity to be on mission with King Jesus to set free those who are oppressed. It's easy to say, well, we don't have people who are oppressed in this region of the world, but that simply is not true. I was so happy that earlier this fall, Renee Chase from the Oasis House came and shared with us about a ministry just about 20 minutes from here, a ministry located north of Dayton that comes alongside young women who have been oppressed and enslaved by the sex traffic industry. And my hope is that we can explore ways in the future that we can help come alongside this so important ministry that's meeting the needs of the oppressed. I'm grateful for this church. Through your generosity, we were able to give a gift of $10,000 to help strengthen that ministry. Thank you. Thank you for your generosity. And we want you to know it makes a difference as we seek to set free those who are oppressed. Also this fall, a number of us from Southwest had an opportunity to participate in a local effort to address a form of oppression that's still experienced today by far too many people. I had the privilege with about three or four other people from Southwest to be a part of a special group of people in Springboro as we met six Tuesdays in October and November to discuss living undivided. The mission of undivided which is a curriculum developed by a church in Cincinnati, is to help move people from avoidance to relationships that closes racial divides. I'm grateful for Undivided. I'm grateful for the facilitators that came up from this Cincinnati church and did a wonderful job. I'm grateful for the Warren County Foundation, which funded this opportunity to truly have people come together that didn't necessarily look alike, but to talk about racial divides and to hear of deep hurts and wounds experienced by many in this country and even in this community. Now, I know that some of you think, you talk a lot, Roger, and I know that my kids say that that's my gift, my spiritual gift is talking. But the truth of it is, during the six weeks of undivided, I had an opportunity to listen. And I did less talking than normal. And I just listened to how others in this community feel and what their experiences has been. And I tell you what, it has forever changed me. And I'm grateful for it. I'm going to be approaching the undivided people and asking could we partner with maybe a predominantly black church in the area or somewhere else in this region and have people from our church and people from a predominantly black church come together and do Undivided maybe in 2022? It was a great experience, and I just want to encourage some of you to maybe begin praying and considering, could you be a part of such an effort 
in 2022. You see, as followers of King Jesus, we must be concerned about oppression that anyone feels, the oppression of prejudice and the ongoing damage that prejudice and racism can lead to in the hearts and the lives of many. Let's be a people that are on mission with Jesus to help bring freedom and relief. Now, if you go back and read the Isaiah 61 passage, you'll notice a couple things. You'll notice that one is that the, 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 what we read in Luke 4 is not identical to what you read in Isaiah 61. There's, there's a couple reasons for that. One is that the gospel writer Luke, who was writing predominantly to a, a Greek audience, cites the Greek version of the Old Testament, Isaiah. The second thing you'll notice is that, that Luke doesn't record all of Isaiah 61 and the mission statement that's found there for the Messiah. And yet, Jesus did fulfill all of that, that messianic mission statement. So let's go back and read one more aspect from Isaiah 61 that's not included in Luke 4. And that's comfort to all who mourn. In the very next verse in Isaiah 61, we read this description of the Messiah, the coming King. In the end of verse 2, he says, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. During the past two to three weeks, we've had four families that I'm aware of here at Southwest who have suffered the heartbreaking loss of losing a loved one. In fact, I'm going to be doing a funeral service later today. You know, there's just been a lot of loss. I know 2020 was a tough year for me, losing three close family members, but 2021 has been a tough year for many. And I'm so grateful that next weekend, we're going to have a special Sunday evening service entitled Blue Christmas. Andrew talked about it earlier, but I just want to just throw in my, my show of support for this event and just say, if you've suffered loss during this past year, or if you're still experiencing the challenges of grief, as I have from previous year's loss, I want to urge you to mark your calendar next Sunday, for next Sunday evening, and make every effort to, to come back, and possibly reach out and invite others who maybe have suffered loss that you know of that don't attend Southwest and invite them to come, knowing that they don't ever have to come back. We'd love for them to. But if they could just come on that evening to receive a message of comfort, we'd love for them to come so that they can learn how they can have despair replaced with praise, so they can find the path of healing which will eventually lead them to becoming firm and strong as, as Isaiah described as an oak of righteousness and to find the comfort that only Jesus can bring. Yes, Jesus of Nazareth is the Christ. 
the long-awaited Messiah, who came not only to be our Savior, but also our King. And He came not only to bring salvation, but He came to bring a mission and purpose in life that will continue to, to last as He continues to reign from heaven and as He continues to make a difference on earth through His followers, through those who are willing to declare Him King and who are willing to embrace His mission, a mission to bring good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed and comfort all who mourn. Have you declared Jesus to be your King? Have you embraced His mission on earth? Realize Jesus is continuing to invite you and me to surrender to His leadership and to re in return be His hands and feet on this earth as many are still poor, captive, blind, oppressed, and mourn. As we observe communion today, let's acknowledge that Jesus is a King who continues to reign. And we are confessing this truth when we observe communion, declaring His death and His eventual return. When we will eventually see the culmination of His reign on earth, as we read about in the book of Revelation, when John the Apostle wrote this regarding the vision of the future, when he wrote in Revelation 11, verse 15, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of His Messiah, and He will reign forever and ever. We began this morning by talking about the lyrics of the first three songs. We'll close with a, a song this morning following communion. With an, it's another inspirational Christmas song. And I wanted to read in advance some of the lyrics that we'll be singing because I think these lyrics also can serve to prepare our hearts for communion. Singing about Jesus, we'll sing light of the world, crown in a manger, born for the cross, to suffer, to save. High King of heaven, death is the poor, we are the richer by the price that he paid. Let's reflect on these words during communion and later when we sing this final song as we remember our Messiah, our Savior, and our King. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for what a great God you are. We thank you in your wisdom, you plan for centuries. You plan throughout eternity to send your son to this earth. And as we observe communion and remembering him and remembering his sacrifice for us, as we take the bread, help remind us of his body. As we take the cup, Lord, help us be reminded of his love and his sacrifice when he shed his blood for us. But help us during this time of communion, not only, not only rejoice in that Jesus came to be our Savior, but help us embrace him as our King. Help us, Lord, to truly surrender our hearts 
in our lives to him in every way as we observe this time of communion together. It's in Jesus' name we pray. and prayer has been that we've been able to focus our hearts and our minds on our Messiah, our our King, Jesus, as we approach this Christmas season. I hope that that's prepared you for the week ahead, for the season ahead. If you have any response to the message today, we'd love for you to just download our app. You can click the Sunday Feedback give us your feedback. There's cards, uh, communication cards on the seats. You can use that if you'd rather use paper and pen. We'd love to get feedback of how we could respond, how we can help come alongside you if you have a response in any way, if you have a prayer request. If you'd like to learn more about King Jesus and what it means to follow him, we want to urge you to mark your calendar for Tuesday, December 7th, as we'll have our next starting point. And we'll talk about what that means and how you can even seek to become a member here at Southwest. We'd love that. But maybe there's someone here today that you're saying, hey, I've, I've already taken starting point. I've already been thinking about for some time and I'm ready to surrender my life to Jesus as my King. Maybe take that initial step of being baptized into Christ. If that's the case for you, we're going to have a staff member or an elder up here near the baptistry, and you can come and talk to someone about that following our service. I also hope that you'll share the good news that we'll be exploring this, this Messiah, Jesus, and how he was born to be our king, born to provide leadership for our lives, and, and think of who you can invite to come to this series so they can learn the role that Jesus wants to play in their life. Who can you invite to be with us even next week as we continue to describe the one who was born to be king? With that said, if you're able, let's stand and sing one final song, praising him.